There are times when I'll just say, I'm over my skis on this one. I have no idea, but I'll try to find somebody who does. Thank God I don't let that grow. And I try to push those people off to somebody else as soon as we get them to a certain point. But if all I was doing was a dedicated cast business, I would definitely say, how many people can I manage both from a customer side and from an employee side? And then how much time can I give to each client to justify what I'm going to charge them? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the latest episode or the next episode of Strategy in the Virtual Controller. My name is Damien Greathead and I'm sitting in what looks to be a beautiful Sydney day where we're approaching summer. So it's definitely heating up and I'm, I'm pretty pleased that the water's warming up as well. So I'll be able to get back out into the surf fairly soon. My co-host, Penny Breslin, she's sitting on the other side of the world or the other side of the hemisphere anyway, sitting in San Diego. How's the weather outside your window, Penny? Yeah, we got some nice rain this morning. My dog was not happy. I got a picture of him with his nose out the dog door, like, yeah, looking yeah. like not heading outside today. Like <laughs> but it's sunshine now, so it's nice. And I'll be heading to Wyoming in about two weeks, and I uh, check the weather there, and it's about twenty-two degrees on average. Yeah. I was going to say so next next week, next couple of weeks in Wyoming, twenty-two yeah. degrees, and I, I think next week in Sydney we're sort of approaching ninety degrees. We'll see how the next episode goes. Penny, last saw you in Las Vegas. How did you recover from QuickBooks Connect? I must admit, it. I, I was sort of sharing with friends about the difference, say, between the San Jose events and the Las Vegas events, and I just think being in Vegas, it's just that much more draining. I don't know. What do, oh, What do you think? I don't remember being that exhausted. And mm. one of the things is I found is that, like I said, when we were talking that I'm not spending enough time, I felt like I was going quickly. And it was the same thing last year. I was constantly moving and going from place to place. There was a lot of energy. It was all positive energy. And certainly having the Miller and Shamila there and their eyes being the size of sauces. Right? Yeah. <laughs> in Las Vegas, on yeah. Strip walk. That was, so it was quite intense and I was quite exhausted when I got back. Yeah, I because I was at the San Jose ones as Receipt Bank. And, and they're much, was, they were much I was working. Well, uh, yeah, I, but I think it was, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's just the, you, you don't, you've already walked a mile before you even get to the conference in Las Vegas and that type of stuff. Whereas, I don't know, so I, I I was always exhausted after a QuickBooks Connect in San Jose, but it just seems to be a different type of exhausted after Las Vegas. But yeah, another amazing event. And it was always good to see you. And yeah, wonderful to see Namilla and Shamila. And I really love the the conversation about them as business owners, you know, that I think sometimes they, they get into their heads of the technical and, and training and that type of stuff. But it was really interesting to see them as business owners, as owners of partners in a what are they, 70, 80 person firm now? That's, yeah, 75, that's I believe they just uh, sent over videos of the second room that we're putting all the tax team in their own space, just because it's getting kind of crowded uh, in the other rooms. But yeah, so they're excited. And last night we had, I got messaged because we had a new client onboarding. And before it started, they were sitting in the conference room and they all had towels. I said, what's going on? And they said, well, the water was up to our knees when we walked in because they couldn't get their cars and two-wheelers into a parking lot because we had cyclones and monsoons. So only it took them, Vidya told me she's, she has a 10-minute walk from the office to her house. 
as she said, it took her two hours yesterday. Oh, goodness. To go home. Yeah. So we got a couple of days of cleanup to do. <laughs> Luckily, our <laughs> stuff the up. top yeah. floor. The only thing yeah, yeah. that went was the daycare. And the, all of that floor is all marble. Yep. So moving on to today's episode, Penny, we were just chatting about the obviously coming out of QuickBooks Connect and probably 50% of the sessions on client advisory and accounting services. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the interesting things, it, it was all about how to do the work. And I noticed a couple of sessions around quite practical worksheets about how to change your workflow, about how to structure your technology, how to price your services, but sort of an interesting one that that came up as a part of a conversation we were having is that the conversations that a, a CAS advisor or a, a, yeah, a CAS advisor has with their clients are going to be markedly different than those conversations around tax or bookkeeping or the monthly close, aren't they? And you just had an example this week around payroll. So I, I don't know. I think that's a really interesting area for us to dive into today is like, how do you prep yourselves for the conversations or the change of conversation types that you're going to be having with your clients when you step into this role of of that CAS, of that virtual controller, of that external CFO? Tell us about the client situation in your firm. Well, this is one of the few direct clients we have and they have payroll. Luckily, they have a really good payroll company that we've put them into. And we don't use that account. They have a separate payroll account that we pretty much, all we do is reconcile it once a month. Their operating account where we use for AP and AR, we have much more control over that. And so we just look at totals on that other one. It's feeding into QuickBooks. It breaks a lot. Sometimes there are delays. Ordinarily, it's pretty robust. And a couple of months ago, about six months ago, I had mentioned to him, I said, your payroll's really getting up there. And I said, maybe it's time to start establishing some budgets for the different departments you have. They were at about 15 employees then, and now they're at 24. And so he did establish budgets and said, and put a hiring freeze. And, and at the same time he was doing that, I said, you know, I think that you could really benefit by having an in-house controller now, rather than us as a partial controller. He goes, well, we don't want to lose you. And I said, you could still use us for the bookkeeping and stuff, but I really think that you're being way too stretched. You're being the CFO, you're being the attorney, because they do a lot of investment contracts, which take him a lot of time. Plus they do a lot of H1B1 visas. They work with a lot of variety of law firms so they, he's got a lot of stuff he has to deal with. I say, I'm not saying this, that we're going to go away. I said, but it behooves you, if nothing else, for you to have an assistant. If not, but, a, but, a controller, an assistant. But sort of interesting, like he says, I don't want to lose you and or I don't want to, for you to go away. But in, in, in many respects, it's, but actually that means our job is done. We've got you to a point where you're ready for this. And actually that's a sign of success. Well, and and to- the business has gotten to the point where it's ready for this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's certainly, if you're thinking about how do you market like your virtual controller services or these, th- that's sort of a, a really interesting way to say that we're taking on this interim role. We're going to work and help your business get to a point where you need a full-time person in your office doing this. And that was the original yeah. And and so I think it's a sign of success. And I, I think if, if any listeners are out there thinking about how do they position their virtual controller services, position it as this interim type role that's going to help build the client's businesses up to a point where they need a, a full-time internal controller. 
Some of them will. Some of them will. Yeah. Some of them won't. I think that one of the things also that not only at QuickBooks Connect, but at other conferences, if you talk about CAS, and we've talked about it all the time, is defining what CAS you're doing. So it can be different. It can be tax. It can be bookkeeping. And also, I think that when you look at this in order to scale it up, it has to be verticalized. We don't have that luxury just because a lot of the clients, the, the only few clients that I do take that are direct tend to be across the board because they're yeah. also lab rats for us. But in this case, we've been with this company since the day they started. And so it's been three years. And when I told him he needed to hire somebody internally as his assistant, I said, we have everything documented. We will give them our procedures. We will work with them rather than having to bug you. Because he's always, he tends to call me like late at night because it's the only time he's free. I'm not really excited about that. So he said, how can I hire somebody to help me when I just put a hiring freeze on all the other departments? Okay, we'll do the best we can. I said, I'm going to charge you more and I'm going to put one person on my team that's on the US side. I'm going to give them much more work and I'm going to have to step back a little bit because my role has changed, right? And he understood that. He goes, but you're not going away, right? I go, no, I'm only four miles down the road for you. I haven't met you in person yet. No, like, well, so I'm still here. And so we did that and we raised our rates and he said, charge me whatever you want. And he never looks at the invoice and I get to create the invoice, send the invoice and pay the invoice all at once. And he never looks at it, never questions it. And I probably, last month I said, okay, we're undercharging you for what you're having us do at this point. He goes, okay, raise it. Okay, fine. What do you want me to raise it to? And he goes, whatever you want. But that's because of we're always available to him. And so he does pay a real high premium for that. I think that part of this is that this is a conversation that I had with him that was very draining. It started last night where there was a mistake made in the payroll and we had to correct it. And the hoops that we went through to correct it. Now, we don't necessarily run his payroll. He does that himself that because he pushes the button to do all that. Right. Uh, he wants to look at the reimbursed expenses. And so we just leave that up to him. It's all set up. It's all ready to go. And we take it after the fact. We make sure that all the documents are in there. If they, we don't see a document for an expense, we go to the employee and say, hey, you need to connect a document. We don't make him do that for it. He just has to authorize. Okay. And it was about two hours last night, and then it was about three hours this morning getting everything fixed up. But the thing is, it wasn't only stressful for him, it was stressful for me. Yeah. And so I didn't sleep very well, because you always feel bad when that, something like that happens, especially with somebody's payroll. And something was going on in that payroll account that he was unaware of, that we had mentioned to him several months ago, and he forgot we mentioned it to him. And he mm -hmm. said at that time he was going to do something about it, and he didn't. Probably because he got delayed, busy. Yeah. got busy with everything else. Yep. And I think that this is something that I know that bookkeepers who do just bookkeeping deal with this. He, we, they talk about it all the time, that there's an emotional aspect a lot of time to having to talk to the client. Even at QuickBooks Connect, when I was, I was, at, I was sitting having lunch, and a lady sat down next to me and she was talking about how her bookkeeping, cloud-based bookkeeping system was growing and she was happy with that, but that it was hard to keep up the scale of her personally doing it. Yeah. And I said, what's the hard part? She goes, the conversations that you have to have with the client. 
She goes, I just don't have time to do it. And I said, so we started talking and I started asking her questions and it was like, well, realistically, I don't want to do it. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I'm not that. She goes, I like doing the data entry. Yeah. And I went, she goes, so I need to hire another bookkeeper. I said, so you're going to hire somebody just like you, right? She goes, yeah. I go, so you expect them to like to talk to the clients? I said, do you think you never have to talk with your clients? And she goes, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And then a week later, when I'm back here, I get an email, one of those Gmail ones, but it, it actually was an intriguing way it was written. And I looked the person up and it was a legitimate bookkeeping company and they were selling their services to CPAs to be a virtual bookkeeper. And I asked her, because I thought, well, oh, maybe I could utilize her. Or if not me, maybe this client could utilize her. And I told her, I said, I have two people that could utilize you that would probably, I said, how much capacity can you take? She goes, well, I really don't know. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, I know how many clients I have and I know how much work I have to do. She goes, but I don't really like talking to the clients. Yeah, it's going to so, be a bit difficult to be successful in this type of thing, isn't it? If you're, yeah, if you're it is. And so how can you, because how, it, do you it, how do you put on line that you are a virtual CFO or that you're doing consulting and advisory work when I, call, I talk to you and you tell me, well, I don't like to really talk to them. But sort of interestingly, Eddie, because there's, there's one thing to talk to clients, but there's also the other thing is, you actually have to have, you might have to have quite difficult conversations with your clients, or you've got to coach them on how to have difficult conversations with their employees or Or their owners or their owners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he said to me, he goes, so how am I going to stop this? I said, well, instituting budgets. He goes, I did. I instituted the budgets we put together six months ago. They just refused to follow them. And I go, they're employees. He goes, no, these are the owners. And I went, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's dude, I can't help you. <laughs> so that's the thing is, look, I'm happy to charge a premium for these continued services. And actually, we're going to have to charge you more because we're going to, we're going to have to play a greater role in making sure that, for example, that there's enough money in payroll before we, before we process. But you still, when are you going to have this conversation with your clients? Oh, when are you going to have this conversation with the owners? And when are you going to have a conversation with the owner about how they use their American Express or, or how they, why they're using American Express and, or, or why they're using personal funds to personal cards to pay for business expenses? All these types of things are difficult conversations, which if you're going to take on that role of a virtual CFO or a interim controller, part-time controller, you're going to have to develop those skills. You're going to have to develop those capabilities and probably some pretty thick skin. Otherwise, it's really difficult for you to step into that true controller role, going back to what you said about you're in control of defining it. But yeah, you got to get ready for some difficult conversations. You've got to put time aside and know that one of the things I had to do today is decide which one was more mission critical. Mm-hmm. I had five emails that I knew I had to address today. And I knew I was going to do this podcast. And I looked at my calendar and I basically said, okay, I know I can put these on hold until I get this resolved. And part of the resolution was just talking him off the cliff. And at one point I said, look, if if you don't hang up and let me do this, we're going to be too late. Yeah. And he's, oh, okay. And then he would say, well, I said, no, you didn't hear me. I need to get on another phone line to fix this. You need to, we need, I have to be rude right now and hang up on you. 
And he goes, oh, I get it now. He goes, call me back when you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not easy. And it's very exhausting. And to tell you the truth, I, especially like last night, right at the same time that Megan, my person in Houston, called me and said, what, bro, we got a problem. Have you seen this message on the payroll company site? And I went, no, I don't even log into that. She goes, well, you better. Well, you better and take at the a same look. time, I was getting a message from Chennai, monsoons, water up to the kneecaps. <laughs> and I go, okay. It was just uh, a night without sleep. But you do have to think about, if you're doing CAS for tax, you're probably not having these conversations as often. But when you're doing CAS and you're doing, I'm going to close your books and have a discussion with you a lot, you're going to have these two or three times a week with a variety of clients. So that's why I think verticals are better, because at least you can narrow the conversation, you can narrow the apps, and you can narrow the processes and the budgets that you build and everything. So you can get a lot of that in the weed shit and use AI and technology and defined processes, and you can make that smoother so that you have time to have these conversations. Because Every business owner and anybody who has any kind of finances is going to have these conversations. Hell, I just went to buy a new house and all in the same week. And it's QuickBooks Connect, buy a new house, get India back up to India, crew back to India, and then all this shit happening. Oh yeah, Thanksgiving. And my daughter decided, her baby decided it's going to probably come a lot sooner than everybody else. I'm a little earlier. Oh, goodness. It's breached and fully engaged. Right. Okay. Wow. But also not to say that life still happens and all that type of yeah. stuff, but but I guess the thing is that if you are, again, trying to move down this path and trying to move away from that deadline-driven tax world or, or just bookkeeping or, or just compliance into the CAS world, the, the types of situations and the types of questions that are going to come your way are probably going to be quite difficult to the traditional month-end questions, the traditional payroll questions, and the traditional sort of tax planning questions. Are you prepared for that? Are you getting ready for that? Are you sitting down as a management accountant at the end of the month to talk about business performance? Very different conversation to sitting down and or just lobbing the reports over the fence through yeah. email or something. Yeah. I mean, h- how do you start preparing for those conversations? And I think there are times when I'll just say, I'm over my skis on this one. I have no idea. You've just asked me a question that I don't have the answer to, but I'll try to find somebody who does. And that's a lot of that has to do because we're in so many different, thank God I don't let that grow. And I try to push those people off to somebody else as soon as we get them to a certain point. But if all I was doing was a dedicated CAS business and I wasn't running this outsourcing company, if I was just doing my own, I would definitely say, okay, what can I, how many people can I manage both from a customer side and from an employee side? And then how much time can I give to each client to justify what I'm going to charge them? And it has, and then I think to me, it would be, I'd want to be verticalized. I'd want the conversations because they're always going to, there's always going to be the peripheral personal stuff that comes into every time. And so I'd want to have the business conversations as focused as I possibly can so that I can learn that industry and be more proactive in dealing with the stuff that's coming in. And being proactive and teaching myself to be proactive because we tend to be historical and uh, reactive and it's a different mindset. And again, 
when you're hiring people, make sure that you're hiring the right person for the job. And I'm going to bring up uh, a little comment of something I read today, Jason Stats put out. And it was so timely. It was just like, sometimes when I get something in a newsletter, it's going, I swear Google heard me talking about this. But he had mentioned about hiring the right person to track your process and procedures. And I'm always on the case of accountants going, you're not good at this. And your bookkeepers aren't good at this. So instead of frustrating yourself, why don't you hire somebody who is more of an administrative person who would be good at this? Do you remember a couple of years ago, we did an interview with a a gentleman, Rachel and I were out at their offices. Yeah, remember? And part of what I left him with was a job description of somebody to do that. And everyone in his office, the two tax CPAs, the two bookkeepers, and his main account manager. And he all said to me, well, they won't know what to do because they're not accountants. Well, what you're asking them to do is to read, write, pick up the phone, speak clearly, distinctly, and follow directions. So far, none of you are doing that. Mm. And you are all accountants. Why do you think an accountant's going to do any better another one? And they did. They hired somebody who was not an accountant and they were shocked and how well she did. Well, I, I was sort of thinking as you were sort of saying, how do we develop that skill set and how do we develop that capability to speak to clients about stuff that is outside of the traditional wheelhouse and confidence level? And what was what I was sort of thinking about is what you said is you said something that said, I'm actually, I don't want to get over my skis. Let me, I don't know the answer to that. Let me take some time to think about it and find someone who does. Yeah. And and what I, as you were sort of, as you said that, and then we're sharing this example of bringing someone in with a non-technical background. Well, that take per- care of all the weedy administrators. But what I was sort of thinking about is that person who knows this is not their area of expertise probably doesn't have any problem with the idea of saying, you know what, Penny, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer to it, but I'll find, I'll, but give me some time and I will find someone who does, or I'll, I'll connect you with someone who does. And, and I think that's really the skill or the muscle that needs to be developed with these trusted advisors who within the tax world are, are able to answer a tax planning question or a tax related question, probably fairly quickly, fairly easily. Whereas when you do sort of uh, get into some other areas of, of business growth, business development, and that management control aspect, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, really great question. I, I need some time to have a think about that do a little bit of research and come back with an answer. Let me talk to my network and I'll come back with an answer. I think that's the type of response. First and foremost, we have to become comfortable with having, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find out. But then second of all, I I think your client's actually going to respect that to say, fantastic. They're going to take some time. They're going to come back with with some ideas on how to solve it. And I think that's something that real trusted advisors that, that I see do well with this, recognize what's their expertise, what's not, and manage the client expectations to say, I can't answer that right now, but let me come back to you in by the end of the week. And you've got to get these questions. I would say that for every one of these one-offs that we do when we're directly working with the business, the questions I get Sure, I get a lot of accounting type questions. That's those are easy. You just deal with those. Those are fast. Yep. But there are quite a few of them that I get questions like, how do I deal with this employee issue? Or how do I deal with this budget? How do I go to sit down and have this discussion with the ownership? How do I I'm going to the board of directors? How do I present this? 
those are things that are going to come up. If they're coming up for me, I'm not unique. Yeah. They're, they're coming up with everybody else. And I mean, literally today, his last comment was, well, think about how you would address this and give me your feedback. And I'm going, Shh. You're asking me to tell you how to deal with your ownership. <laughs> Which would be very lap. <laughs> you many. know what? I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're a grown man. The word but ball th- came into it, pluralized, but But I think you but I think that's interesting as well, though. Is it, in many ways, it's, well, how again, if you're thinking about how would you have these what could be quite difficult conversations with your clients as the business owners, it is you're a business owner as well. So mm-hmm. maybe that's another side of it is taking stock from your own experiences in running your own business. And I actually love the way that he phrased that is what would you do? How would you solve it? And maybe that's a part of it to be like when that difficult question comes in to be like, let me have a think about how would I solve it if it was happening in my business. So again, I think there's really interesting ways in which we can become comfortable with this ambiguity of the types of conversations that are going to happen in a CAS, in that true extra uh, part-time controller, virtual controller, like the sort of the top, I'm not sure if it's echelon, but top level of service of the- Yeah, the because we do level. have different levels of service for the- yeah, clients yeah. That we do. The reason I even would push other work aside to take care of him is because he is paying top of the line. He actually pays us more for doing his bookkeeping than some accountants pay us for a full dedicated employee in India. Because he, he, he knows the value of it. He knows yeah. how. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, yeah. So it's, you, you have to go, okay, this is somebody that has been a faithful customer who always pays. And so I'm willing to set aside this amount of time. There are other times when he calls and I'll say, look, and I'll let you, I'll call you back in two hours. And yep. I, and it's fine. It's not, it'll go, oh, okay, that's not critical. In fact, why don't you call me back in four? Because I'm going to be in meetings. And, and I, again, another good question that you can be asking is how, what, when do you need this solved for? Yes. Or when do we need to, when do we need to have this solved for? And again, I, I think actually, yeah, no, it's not urgent. Like end of the week is fine or early next week or before the next pay run yes. or before the next one. As long as we've got it solved Slack or text me and go, I need this within the next two days. Can we have yeah. a conversation about yeah. it? And that's fine. This was mission critical today. And yeah, it payroll. just happened to come in with a couple other mission critical things, but his move to the top of the food chain. And I reprioritized my work, handed some of it off to other people, and then just pushed some off to the back burner that I knew wasn't going to, it wasn't life and death. And in yeah. this case, the stress in his voice, this isn't a life and death thing. We fixed the problem, but the stress in his voice was enough to make me want to push everything up. But you have to listen to that. You have to be able to respect that and understand yeah, the first agreed. thing I did was I said, we'll take all responsibility for that. He goes, but it's not your fault and it's not your responsibility. I go, yeah, it's a bunch of everybody's. Wouldn't you say? He goes, yeah. And that kind of calmed him down. He goes, yeah, kind of everybody was like, yeah, I said, it's a lot of monkeys and footballs going on here. I don't know, I don't know what analogy that is. There's too many monkeys in the uh, kitchen. No, like um, monkeys and okay, football. I could say it because this is our podcast and everybody knows it's monkeys fucking footballs. Exactly. 
nothing I, <laughs> is I, working right now. Oh, so nothing is working. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, I still don't understand that analogy. Like, oh my God, it must be totally American. <laughs> I, I think it might be completely north. north um, I'll north, tell you what, Don Roland will know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, I was going to tell you what I mean. It's like, that's, it's, uh, it's in, Maybe in, it's in a totally northeast of the US. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so I think it's sort of interesting. As you do step into this role, this CAS role, and particularly when you are talking about those levels of service, which include the management accountant, that virtual controller or virtual, if you're calling yourself a virtual CFO, you better be ready for some difficult conversation. You're not just just closing out the books. Yeah. Yeah. And actually maybe that is part of your positioning is actually does what's on my website, does do what's on my business card, what's on my LinkedIn profile, does that actually reflect the level of complexity or, or level of conversation that I'm willing to have with, with my clients? Years ago, when back in the caveman days of the 1990s <laughs> and the early 2000s. Well, when we first um, met. <laughs> we developed a monthly conversation that you could have with your clients because oftentimes we would hear, well, I really don't know what I would talk to them about, right? And yep. we'd go, what do you mean? If you were in their books every month, you'd know what to you talk find to something about. to talk about, yeah. So we built one based on what was then compliance stuff. Yep. just to get the ball rolling, right? But if you're in a vertical too, and I hate to keep on pushing this, but if you're going to do CAS and you're going to do it with any level of depth, you're going to have to go vertical. If you market very well, you can, and your target size of client, you can kind of just put a list together of things that you're going to have to talk about over the year, mixing in with it some of the compliance stuff that it pops up during the year, Right. One of the topics you could have is, in this case, we've tried to bring this subject up to them several times that, hey, this American Express card that you're putting everything on has an extremely high interest rate and you're getting carrying a balance every extremely month. high convenience fees for using them. You're using it to get points. What's the ROI on that point? And we've put together documents by them, but they don't want to look at it. Well, now they're going <laughs> to look at it after today. And, and it was like, that's something that I think that every accountant could just put that as a, I don't care what business you're in. If they're using credit cards, immediately put that on your, here's the topics I'm going to bring up. If the client doesn't call me, I'll call them about these topics and put that in there and build a list while you're working with the client to say, hey, this is a topic based on this time of year. I really want to go over it with them. And you can schedule it so that it fits in with your timing on other things you have to do. And to tell you the truth, even if you're virtual, in a lot of cases, when they say they're virtual, a lot of their clients are kind of local to them. So Mm -hmm. if you had maybe a little less virtualization in your firm and you had a kind of more of a variety of clients, but they're all in your local area, you could say, hey, once a month, I'm going to bring you into my office, into my conference room and and say for these high level clients, we're going to have a discussion and you could do up a whole spreadsheet and you don't have to point anybody out, but let's talk about credit cards and let's talk about how a business could use them and how some way, why are you doing it for points? One of the things that I've tried with not only this client, but another one who has an overuse, I think, of credit card is going with something like a Divi or an expense management system that actually gives you a card and you and you pull the money out on that. What is all these points getting you mm. versus the control and the the expense of money going out that this other one would give you? Let's look at that. 
And you don't even have to name names. You don't have to bring up credit cards. You could just say, here's your average interest rates. Here's the average points you're going to get. Here's the cost it's going to get you to get those points. I like that idea of every business, regardless of the industry that it's in, there's probably going to be a, a, certainly at least 12 topics that you can raise to be like, you know what? Today, we're going to talk about internal controls for this. To the next month, I'd love to. I've noticed that I've noticed the interest line on the PL, that number's increasing quite yeah. rapidly. And I think we should really have a conversation about that and make sure we're comfortable with that, with the expense and what are we getting in exchange for that expense. So again, and I know a lot of folks actually, they put in their monthly calls and all that type of stuff. And then they ran out of things to talk about. And I'm just like, but actually every business has these same issues, these same challenges, create that sort of battle card, if you will. And this month, we're going to focus on this. This month, we're going to focus on this. This month, it's all about tax and tax planning, et cetera. If you've so- got e-commerce clients and they're in multiple payment platforms, where they're, they're in multiple, it's on a payment platform, but multiple places where Gateway. they're selling yeah. goods, yep. you can look at that and you can Say you're doing that, you could go in and say, hey, let's pull out all of these. We've got people on Amazon, we've got people on SD, we've got people in Jumpfire, whatever it is, whatever platform they're selling their goods on. And then each of them charges different rates. Each mm-hmm. of them takes PayPal, well, each of them takes a different percentage. Each of them then gives you back uh, different information that things like bookkeep save you on. So what's the value of putting everything into book? That's a good way to judge it. Sit down, you bring in about five of your e-commerce clients and say, hey, look at what this is. Now, are you making the money in SD that you're making on Amazon? How much is it costing you to manage that channel versus this channel? Maybe that channel is not really making you any money. Or maybe it's not making you any money because what are you doing to advertise in this one versus who's advertising in that one and how is it mm. being pushed out? I mean, those are conversations that uh, a CFO or a revenue officer would have with a company. Those are conversations that you should be having if you say you are a virtual CFO. That virtual controller. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. So you could just put that on your monthly calendar and mm-hmm. you can send out, these are the topics that are going to take place in our office on a Zoom call or, or in person. Sign up and register if you'd like to know more. And I think that's the other thing as well is is you don't necessarily have to, on the 15th of every month, we're meeting with Joe Bloggs. Oh, ABC. God, I know. We get that all the time. You have to close this set of books by the 10th and this set yep. of books by the 12th and this set of books by the 15th. And it's like, wow, you really have um, your clients re- regularly. And I know in the back of my mind, that means that they've checked that client off as done and they're not doing anything except sending out a report. Except sending that report, which if that is what your level of service is, that's what your service level, that's, then that's absolutely fine. Penny, I think we could talk for, for hours on this one. And, and I think it's really interesting. We sort of started the conversation around get ready for difficult conversations, but actually quite strangely, a lot of our episodes always come back to that first, first couple of episodes, the first chapter in the book, decide what it is that you want to do. And if you're going to call yourself this, then you have to be ready for the client expectations of this. So if you're going to call yourself X, then the client should have expectations of you delivering X. So so be prepared for that. And it's okay if you want to call yourself a virtual back office bookkeeping department. That's fine because that's what you're delivering. And maybe you work up- that's all you're doing is you're delivering bookkeeping. You're not delivering CFO services. You're not delivering controller services. Those are totally different. But if you are- but if you are, be prepared for it. And, and also be prepared as well, because an outsourced bookkeeping or a virtual bookkeeping business, 
very different, maybe not very different, but you, you're going to need different structure and different processes and different time allowance because you're going to have quite different conversations. And, and what I mean by that is, is you, you may not necessarily be able to work with a hundred clients in your virtual bookkeeping business. You won't be able to service a hundred clients in your virtual controller business and certainly not in a virtual CFO because the requirements and the needs of the client will be quite different. And but hopefully the fees are, hopefully the prices you're charging are as well. It's a really interesting conversation, Penny. Yeah, it was about get ready for difficult conversations, but actually it always comes back to what do you want to what be you when really you grow want up? to do. Yeah, and, and be last very night, I decided, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but I did it anyways, because he's a good client. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think as well, it's one of those learning opportunities and you use those opportunities, which actually form part of what you deliver next year, what you deliver next month, what you deliver next payroll period. It, it is that learning opportunity as to how to make these, make incremental improvements to the business model. Penny, always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor, like us, share us, share the episode on your LinkedIn profile or on, on Twitter or X or whatever. Whatever it's called these days. If you do want to uh, get in touch with us, you can find myself on LinkedIn, Damien Greathead, and you can find Penny on LinkedIn. And where else can people find you, Penny? MoneyPennyLLC.com. MoneyPennyLLC. That I looked at it a year ago. It looked okay. The website. <laughs> <laughs> maybe find Penny on, maybe find LinkedIn. Penny on LinkedIn. Yeah, there we go. Well, That's you know, the way to do like, it. Yeah, I don't... Uh, but if you've got any questions for us, if you've got any situations that you'd like to run past us, feel free to get in touch. And Penny, always a pleasure. And we'll see you next episode. Okay. You got it. Bye-bye.